You know, I really enjoy teaching from Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. You know, I was excited when Andy and Aaron and I sat down many months ago to look at our schedule for sermons, and they asked me to be a part of this series. It's a um, short-to-the-point type of letter, and I'm a, you know, get-to-the-point type of guy. You know, when I went through uh, college and to become a teacher, I had a class and a professor that said, you know, whenever you call parents to talk to them about your kids or their kids, don't fluff it up. Just tell them what it is. Tell them that they're doing great. Tell them they're not doing so great. Tell them what they can do better, and then get off the phone. You know, and so I like things that are short and to the point. And Paul's letter is one of those letters that applies to the church 2,000 years ago, and it applies to us today, right here at St. Matthew's in Madison, Mississippi. Now, we've already gone through the first two chapters of this letter, but you can sense Paul's urgency, angst, that, you know, he's in prison writing this letter. He couldn't directly go to this church and speak to them in person. And you can tell that was kind of bothersome to him in this letter. Because there's a lot of things that this church in Colossae was being challenged with. And we saw a lot of that last week um, in our sermons and talked about that and the things that were challenging the church. But I invite you at this time, as I read the third chapter of Colossians, to open up your pew Bibles. Um, You know, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to really dive into the Word, break it down. This is more of a teaching series where we, you know, pick apart these things and see what we can learn from this and how we can apply that in our daily lives and the lives of our church. So starting with the third chapter in Colossians, here we go. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are, not, that are on above and not on things of this earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fortification, impurity, passion, evil, desire, greed. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also... Or these are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, slave and free, But Christ is all and all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, be subject to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. 
Now, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is your acceptable duty in the Lord. Father, do not provoke your children, or they may lose their hearts. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and not only while being watched in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, put yourself into it, as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you serve, the Lord Christ. And for whatever the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has done them, and there is no partiality. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, when we um, get into this first part of the letter that Paul is writing, he is inviting those that are listening to this to be part of Christ's church, to act like Christians, basically. And so, you know, I was thinking, you know, we just took a, a youth trip not too long ago to Lake Genaluska, and it's a long drive if you do it in one day. Plus, when you're taking 20 or so people, you have to do stops along the way and this and that, and, you know, and so it takes a while. And this trip was rather unique because as we were driving along the interstate, I-20, going into Alabama, making these stops, the youth would excitedly get out of the car, more so than normal. There's not anything real exciting about a gas station, but they just get out, and they'll have their phones in their hands as normal. But then they start roaming around, looking at their phones. And I just kind of sat back and watched them for a minute. I'm like, what in the world? You know, you know, nothing really surprises me anymore, but I was just sitting back watching them as they were looking at their phones like they were looking at the ground, and they were just excitedly saying, come over here, guys, come over there, guys. And at every stop we made, and I said, something's gotten into them. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or what. And I was like, this trip is going to be very interesting. And I finally pulled one of them, and I said, what in the world are y'all doing? And they said, you don't pogo? I said, pogo. And said, yes, Pokemon Go. All right. Now, how many of y'all, adults, you can raise your hand, do Pokemon Go? Go. Anybody in here? Wow. There's a couple. Okay. And there's some in the choir. But let me tell you what this thing is, because I had to learn about it. It's an app you can download, and you basically walk around your community, and it shows you where you can stop to catch these little critters on your phone or where you can get extra coins or whatever it is. And it interacts with your camera, so you're looking at your camera, and you see a whole other world through it. It was pretty impressive, I will say. The creators of it did a great job. But, you know, I was sitting there just watching them. They were all so consumed in this game. And then we come back from Lake Genaluska, and I come home, and the parks are full of people. You know, one day I drove by last week, and I saw people, like, parking on the street. And I said, what in the world? Found out they're not just walking. They're playing Pokemon Go. Apparently, there's a Poke stop at the Strawberry Patch Park, and there's a bunch of critters over there they're trying to catch. And I said, wow. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in distractions and things of this world like I said earlier, whatever Paul told the church 2,000 years ago is so true for us today. Now, Pokemon Go may not be your distraction, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But as humans, we kind of get sidetracked very easily. You know, sometimes I get sidetracked. I'm in a meeting, and all of a sudden I'm like, squirrel! And then we're all just talking, and, you know, we get distracted. You know, in our faith life, it's the same thing. You know, we are at times really on fire for the Lord. We're really doing well and focused, and then we get distracted. We get caught up in earthly things. It can be work for some of us. It can be, you know, relationships that honor God. It can be a ton of things. 
you know, managing your finances and getting that bigger house or that better car or, or whatever it is. Now, alone, those things aren't bad, but if they become distractions, this is what Paul was warning the church over 2,000 years ago and still warns us today that as Christians, we need to focus more on things from above than from out here. You know, the, um, when I was studying through this, I was reading another translation of the Bible, and it's the message, which I like that translation, especially when you're reading a letter that was written to a church 2,000 years ago, and you're like, do some of those words really apply to us? How would it sound today if Paul wrote that letter to us? So let me read to you the first four verses that Paul wrote coming from the message. And he titled it, He is Your Life. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along your eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you. The glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. To me, when I read that, that seems to hit home. Act like it, he says, if you're following Christ. Focus on things from above. And then we move into the other verses, the bulk of what he's saying here, verses 5 through 17. It's all about practical living. You know, he gets down to things that matter to us, things that we battle and deal with every single day. And it's from the big to the small. Let me read this to you from the message. He says, And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all of that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. See, he goes from like the big sins. You know, the ones that we can easily point our finger at to people and say, that's wrong. But then he said... The things that we all battle with every day, if it's not the big stuff. Bad tempers. How many of y'all have uh, issues when you're driving to work in traffic? Luckily, I don't have to drive that far. All right? But some of us have to commute. Some have to commute a lot. My dad, he's a pharmaceutical sales rep, and he travels the state. And it's by the grace of God that he's safe, and he's been doing it for over 20 years. But I'm sure he's come into some bad traffic. And we all have those bad tempers. But I heard something pretty profound not too long ago that made me think, you know, we're all sitting in traffic complaining about the cars in front of us and the cars around us, and you realize, hey, I am traffic. (laughs) You know? And I said, as Christians, we can sometimes, you know, point out the sins of others and this and that, but then realize and forget, we're sinners too. You know? 
It may not be the big stuff, but it can be the little stuff too. It doesn't matter. Bad tempers, meanness, profanity. Things that we need to get rid of as Christians. Because we know better now, right? As he says. And then if you keep traveling down the scripture coming from the message here, it says, don't lie to one another. You're done with that old wife. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitted clothes you're stripping off and putting into the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All of the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious, irreligious, insider, outsider, uncivilized, slave, free, mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. You know, the early church battled with Gentiles and Jews and who should be part of this new faith. And Paul really sets the tone that says everybody. We're all putting on the new clothes of Christ. And you have to pause and think about it. You know, when you're growing up, going through school, and as many of us are doing, as my wife was doing yesterday, you're shopping for back-to-school clothes. Getting that new backpack if you're getting older, or that new lunchbox, or whatever it is. And I remember when it was like, it was pretty nice to start the new year kind of fresh, clean slate, new teachers, new clothes. You just felt a little better about yourself. Like, you know, we can start anew. Anything can happen here. And that's the way we are in our faith. You know, as Christians, we are starting anew. New sets of clothes going out into the world. The old clothes are taken off and burned. It's pretty vivid imagery there. So as we continue, it says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. We are to be known as Christians by how we act. You know, when those who don't know Christians very well look at us, they should see things that Paul is mentioning here. Love, humility, forgiveness. That's the way of Christ. So as we go through our work, family lives, church lives, whatever it is, we should be wearing the most important garment, love. And we need to be reminded of that of time or two when we're sitting in traffic, when we're in that meeting and that person frustrates us, when we're sitting in the classroom and that kid over there is getting on your nerves or the teacher over there is being mean to you. We have to sit there and remember that, yes, we're human, we'll have those feelings, but like Paul says, we need to remember that we wear love and we're quick to forgive. That's sometimes the hardest thing to do is to forgive. 
And then once you go from this practical advice of what to get rid of and what to put on and how to act, then Paul gets even more practical about talking about what does this look like in the relationships in your lives. Now this is when you have to pay attention when you're going through the study of Colossians and you get to this last section. Some call it instructions for a Christian household. You know, um, when I found out I was preaching from this, I came home from my, and told my wife, guess what I'm preaching on? And she said, she said what? I said, Colossians chapter 3. And I said, you see here, instructions for Christian's household. And I said, I'm not going to go there, okay? And then Andy said, you go ahead and preach whatever you want to, but I'm not, I'm not defending you. But, you know, and the thing is, when you read this part, I do want to tell you that this part of the Bible has been used to do some very bad things. You know, as a history teacher, I know that um, in America, when we talk about slavery and, and the slaves, when they went to church, and it's about the only time they can get together outside of the evil that they lived in, a lot of times they heard the pro-slavery sermons, things that made them feel like they shouldn't challenge what was going on. And a lot of times, the, some verses of the Bible where it says, wives, submit to your husbands, and things like that have been used for evil things. And so I want to kind of set the record straight on what that kind of means for us, though, when we read this, and to be careful on how we take it and how we live this out. And so let me read to you what it says here in the message, and I'll go further. It says, Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Do not take advantage of them. Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master to no end. Parents, do not come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that'll get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart of your real master for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into the inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The soul and servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being Christian doesn't cover up bad work. And masters, treat your servants considerately. Be fair with them. And don't forget for a minute, too, that you serve a master God in heaven. See, that is the main point. When it comes down to relationships and this new love of Christ that we're wearing, how does that look? And as Andy and I sat down, we broke down this, this part of the Bible we're talking about, it, and he said, Brian, this is what it means. Be nice to each other. Be nice. As simple as that is, it is so very true. Husbands, be nice to your wives. Wives, be nice to your husbands. Children, be nice to your parents. And parents, be nice to your children. Servants, those that do any kind of work, be nice to your boss. And bosses, be nice to your workers because you serve a bigger God. And so that is so very true for us today and so easy to forget with the evil tempers or bad tempers and irritability and things that we struggle with daily. And so that's what that last part truly means. It was written 2,000 years ago to a group of people so they can understand it. This translation puts it in a way where we can understand it. And the core principle is so very true. So 
what does all of this mean? And there again, that's why I love Colossians. I love Paul in this part because he's so to the point. Remember, church, we are to focus on God. Remember that we wear new clothes, the clothes of love. And remember, as we go out making disciples, showing the world what Christ is, that we be nice to one another.